Hi and welcome to the Theme Park Trader Podcast and this week John Self returns to the show live from Universal Orlando to talk to us about Halloween Horror Nights 30 and some breaking news and rumours regarding Shrek, Harry Potter and much much more. Bear with us through a few technical difficulties, there were some Wi-Fi issues in the hotel but it clears up after the first few minutes or so, so sit back, relax and enjoy the podcast. Each of us has a dream, a heart's desire. It calls to us. And when we're brave enough to listen and bold enough to pursue, that dream will lead us on a journey to discover who we're meant to be. All we have to do is look inside our hearts and unlock the magic. stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. So, welcome back to the show, John. Uh, we've had a few this, a few technical issues so far, but that's because you're recording live from Universal. Yes, and feel free to make fun of Aventura, the supposedly tech-savvy hotel that I'm <laughs> having trouble recording from. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean they're, not, they're not set up. The, the rooms aren't set up for podcast they don't want people podcasting live do they well why would we want to podcast live and promote the facility that's that seems awful yeah doesn't <laughs> doesn't seem good at all does it no that seems like a terrible idea <laughs> but i mean you this is the second universal trip for you in in just a few weeks and yes i think let, maybe let's start off with your your first trip which was to see halloween horror nights for the very first time how was it? Because, you know, you're a huge Universal fan. Um, you know, people can't um, see you right now. We can't see you right now because of the technical issues. But you were wearing a Universal hoodie, sat in a Universal um, hotel, but never been to Halloween Horror Nights. So how was it? Okay, just to clarify, I'm in my Universal Marvel hoodie. So just, to, just, to, just to clarify that, because I have all the Marvel hoodies that say Universal Orlando Resort on them here. So And the T-shirts. You well, don't go to too. Disney because they'll uh, they'll start putting out the contracts. Well, that's that's the big joke I always make of I have all my masks and I only wear Marvel masks, so I never have to decide which mask to wear at each place. It's a good idea. It's a good yeah. idea. It's, it's my plan. Um, I was not sure what to do with Halloween Horror Nights. I mean, I went to Diet HHN last year, which was which was wonderful that Universal did that, and they tried to reach out and they tried to do some stuff, but. Even I knew walking through the houses, the two houses, Bride and Tooth Fairy last year, the sun's out mm. and mm. <laughs> it's just not the same. And yeah. this is, I'm on a soapbox here for a second. This is why people are always like, well, we need to have a walk through Halloween haunted house year round. Last year, we're hardly more than five minutes. Yeah. But 
I thought they were much better. Um, going, I now I now understand the appeal of Halloween Horror Nights. Um, I don't know if we've said it in this version with our technical issues, but I did a group private RIP tour, which means that we have a tour guide who basically takes us wherever we want, walks us through the front of the line for all the houses for the entire evening. Um, so yes, I'm spoiled, and no, I did not pay for it. So just so we're clear, um, I, I was gonna I was gonna say what made you choose that, but I guess because you didn't pay for it, was it like a put on thing? That's correct. Ah. I, I did not pay for it, so that's a different discussion. And you can message me privately, and we can. <laughs> it's just it, I now get the appeal. I think um, I get why people go to Halloween horns. I've chatted with a lot of people who wanted to know how my experience went because I'm. I'm not a horror person. I don't really enjoy horror movies. I don't really enjoy those kind of things. And I said, if you went to Halloween Horror Nights, so I guess this is the punchline of this narrative is if you went to Halloween Horror Nights and you did the Beetlejuice house, because it's to call it scary is being generous. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's a great house. And you did, um, I got to get the name right because I'm going to make the joke about Diet Mountain Dew, but if you did the Halloween nightmare fuel show, assuming you could handle some risque dancing, because I wasn't sure I wasn't sure I was old enough to be at that show. So just so we're clear. <laughs> um, and then, you you know, if you hadn't been, you get to experience a tribute store because you don't normally get to go to Halloween, go to Universal. Um, I could see where it would easily be worth because they're only charging if you pick the right night. They're only charging about $70 U.S. for the night. Mm -hmm. It's crazy the price, you know, it's such yeah. a good price compared to the Disney event, isn't it? And so much. Yeah. Why see, why do you say those things to me? Because you know what I'm gonna say. Because I, I have a whole bunch of blogs up that I'm working on about what should you do for the holidays? And Universal has announced they're bringing back pretty much everything. We don't know about Grinch Breakfast yet, but you know, that's better than paying two hundred dollars for an after hours event at Magic Kingdom. Yeah. I mean, I think. Disney are doing it because they can get away with it, and that's correct. You know, as long until people start voting with their with their money, that mm -hmm. Disney will continue to do it. Now, in fairness, we believe that the event is going to be much better than Boobash was. Yeah, that's so, not, that's not too much of a task, though. Well, you said that, so I'm <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna let that go. So, I mean, I've never done a um, an RIP tour before, and, and obviously, we know. You get to go to the front of the, the lines for everything. Is there anything else that's involved? Do they tell you anything about a bit extra about the house? Because Yeah, um, this is where I do my first commercial because I wrote a whole bunch of reviews about the houses for piratesandprincesses.net so you can find that stuff there. Um, you show up for your RIP tour, whether it's a non whether it's a group RIP tour or a non-private RIP tour because um, my Twitter friend Alicia Stella was there the same night. I think Ian was there also. Um and they were doing a non-private RIP tour. And she gave me grief that I was being spoiled. And I'm like, yes, I am. Um, but but everyone shows up at the main entrance at about 5.30 for the evening. They check you in. They take you to, um, I would describe it as something halfway between an appetizer me meal and a buffet. Mm -hmm. So you, So they feed you, which apparently I've learned that that's open for the RIP tour people for the entire night. I didn't know that during that oh, event. Wow. Oh, so, okay. so that's, that's just something to bear in mind. Um, and since I have a diet soda addiction, you know, there was plenty of diet sodas there, so it wasn't a problem. 
Um, we do that. Then your tour guide takes you out and literally on a private tour um, asks, says, what do you want to do? Now, I understand on the non-private tour, they take you around on a regular schedule. And at the end of the night, they give you, you have expressed the attractions that are open for the rest of the night. Um, my spouse was there and I was there and one other person who might be considered a scaredy cat in our group of 12. And they all kind of looked at, the leaders looked at us and said, let's go do Beetlejuice first because it's the least scary. Yeah. And having, you know, having done the research, I was like, okay, that's probably a good plan. And the Beetlejuice house was great. We walked through the Beetlejuice house with all of that experience. But then arguably the best house, um, Haunting of Hill House is next to it. And the Beetlejuice and Haunting of Hill House are the ones that have had the longest wait. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like outside of Horror Nights, did you, do you watch, have you seen the Haunting of Hill House? Have you seen Beetlejuice? Um, did you get the, like, the references throughout the houses? Yes, believe it or not. My wife watched Haunting of Hill House when, because she came down at the last minute. Any of my friends listening to this are like, yeah, you didn't tell us. She showed up at the very last minute at the Hard Rock. Um, and she watched all the Haunting of Hill House. And she is, she's the kind of person who walks through the haunted house with you. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Who pulls on your backpack and throws your back out of line because she's hiding from the scare actors the whole time. <laughs> um, I believe after about the fourth or fifth house, I said, um, someone else needs to have my wife behind because I am old and my back's going to go out if we keep doing this. Um, so we watched Haunting of Hill House. You, you can experience that house without watching the Netflix show, but it's so much better if you've seen the Netflix show. Yeah, I mean, I, I found that with... with um... One year they had Killer Clowns at yep. the Scare Zone, and I hadn't seen the film. So I was like, okay, this is cool. The following year they announced the house. So I watched the film. I mean, <laughs> it's cheesy. It's, it's, you know, very, it's very poor in terms of its production, but it's a cult classic. That's correct. But the house was fantastic. And you get all of the references the team put into the houses if you've seen what they're trying to represent. So I think it's definitely worth trying to watch the, the the film or the series or the franchise that whatever the house is based on. And obviously there's there's a lot of houses here this year that are kind of original universal houses anyway. Right. The Beetlejuice house, every scene you would expect is there. I think I wrote in the review, it's been so long since I wrote that. Uh, I wish the actors had got to use their own voice, but I'm not sure how they would have voiced the Michael Keaton Beetlejuice character. So you had a lot of the movie playing during mm. that and, and so and so it was good i thought it was a really good house it was a good warm-up and then haunting of hill house i distinctly remember one of the veterans saying that's what a haunted house should be like it was dark and it was scary and it was narrow hallways and it didn't depend upon jump scares or chainsaws yeah because that's going to be a recurring theme this year yeah i guess starting with the texas chainsaw massacre Right. Don't forget about Eddie's scare zone lights camera action because Eddie, Jack's brother, is obsessed with chainsaws, mm. which I guess I should mention it now. I've been telling people because obviously as a very part time blogger, I've been warning people, hey, when you go through Springfield, there's going to be roaming hordes of clowns or something with chainsaws. Yeah. And no, there are no chainsaws in Springfield this year. Oh, interesting. Oh. That's where they've been for the last, well, the last two times that I went. Correct. And so it really threw me off because I was like, 
I think I think I said to someone, it's quieter in Springfield than it is in Diagon Alley. Mm. The only exception was Bumblebee Man's taco, that horn that goes off every so often. That's oh, yeah. that was that was really the only sound. That's interesting. Yeah, because we went through a back way to get to the next three houses. I know we went we went a back way to get to Beetlejuice and Haunting of Hill House, kind of near where the Quickie Mart is. Oh yeah. And so Springfield was just it was dead. It was weird. So as you're on this tour, obviously they say, you know, what do you fancy doing? And obviously the point of the tour is to hit all of the, the houses, but do they kind of mention any facts about the show, the houses? Oh yeah. The tour guide, tour guide, Jim, um, he, before each house, he gives you the commercial for each house. He tries right. to fill it. He tries to fill in what you need to know. Okay. Um, not to give the whole thing away, but I, I seem to recall when we skipping ahead, we went to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I had been told was the goriest house, mm. which is probably true. And you could understand why um, that we're going to meet. I'm not a Texas Chainsaw person. I apologize. We're going to meet more of the Sawyer family. Um, and the Sawyer family apparently has an obsession with chainsaws. If there is any way to scare you with a chainsaw, it is done in that house. Yeah. We'll get to another aspect of that house that I found amusing. We'll do that later. But so, yes, one. Well, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, the RIP tour. Obviously, you've got, you, you know, you've been very open and, and said you you got that for free. You know, it costs around the three hundred dollar mark. Um, that might be a non-private RIP tour. Yes, a, you're, you're a, correct. Yeah, a, a group of ten, depending on what night you go and how many are sold, because Universal is awesome at surge pricing. That's not the right term, but we know, we know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on when you go and what night you go, we went on a Saturday, mm. and I and I do know how much it costs, so I will not announce that because I will get in trouble. Um. But let's just say, depending on what night you go, a group RIP tour of 10 people. Now, we had 12, so it costs more. Of 10 people would be about high 2000s to $8,000 total. Wow. Blimey. Yeah. <laughs> just to give you a perspective. Yeah. So that's the difference between the, the standard RIP and the, the private RIP. Right. The standard yeah. RIP tour, when you finish your tour, the tour guide just turns you over. We, we didn't, but we could have had Jim, our tour guide. We could have kept him till two o'clock. Yeah, and you could have just hit, kept hitting the same houses over and we over. We could have just gone through Beetlejuice 500 times. We thought about that, and then we decided not to because we were like, it's one o'clock in the morning and we're old. Uh, and also, poor Jim, I guess he's going to go through with you as well. Yes. No, no, he he doesn't go through. He just he just introduces us and waits for us at the exit. Oh, at least, well, at least ah, okay. that saves the... Uh... The, the tour guys and having to do the houses over and over again over and over again that would be awful but we <laughs> did we did um because it was an rip tour and the group likes it we we did front of the line access to uh men in black while we were over there mm-hmm. um and then and then we ventured over to the section behind mib where the welcome to scary wicked growth and puppet theater is so some of the original Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's, and I did find that very interesting that this year, I know why, 
but this year that there was a huge emphasis in the original houses kind of for fan service. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess you, you can include, I suppose, Universal's Universal Monsters in the IP houses. But Correct. Te- what- technically, that's an IP. Yeah, so there's only, what, like four IP houses this year? There's only four IP houses, and, you know, Classic Monsters is a stretch. Yeah, I completely agree. But so how, how were the original houses that you just you just mentioned there? Um, Welcome to Scary was okay. I think I reviewed it as the worst. I, I've been saying that on a scale, and you might get this as a veteran, on a scale of 1 to 10, I would rate it as a 5. But the Welcome to Scary House, if you know your HHN history of all of the original houses that came out of Cary, Ohio. Yes. Yeah. They, they kind of did a best of thing there. And you, it's well done in each scene, but there's no cohesion between when you move to one scene to the next. Mm. So you're just kind of running through. And I knew it. I mean, I, I've obviously written and edited enough stuff that I knew what was going on. But it was okay. I would rate it as a five out of 10. But as I told people, if the worst house is a five, because some HHNs talking to my veteran friends, sometimes there's a house that's a two. Yeah. Or there's a couple houses that are threes. Um, I would argue this year that there's no house that's a 10, maybe no house that's a nine, but there are lots of eights. Yeah. I, I have to say of all the, the ones that I looked through this year, the one that interested me the least was Case Files Unearthed. Oh, Case Files Legendary Truth was really good. Really? Yes. Um, we're, we're skipping ahead here, but that's okay. Case Files Legendary Truth, because that's a callback to a bunch of original houses of Legendary Truth. Boris Schuster. Um, Boris Schuster has a window pane in the, New, in the Universal Studios where mm. you can look up there. And, has a, and then across the street's a kitty cat club which are both a part of this, of this house. They actually hire, they actually hire a jazz singer to sing. Oh, wow. And she's in the house and she's dressed up. It's not a scary part, but they're just trying to sell the whole thing. And the story, I think if the tour guide hadn't told me, Hey, we're going to see the story. I think his name is Tim. We're going to see a man named Tim. Who's going to go through the history of Boris Schuster because Boris Schuster was a detective and a novelist in the, in the backstory. Mm. And so Tim has his thinking that the novels were based on real events. And so he's going through the history and there's huge book props that tell you what's going on and how it's happening. And I thought it was really well done. That sounds Um, pretty cool. Yeah. And the shocking part is, and I keep telling this to people that was in the Shrek theater, which historically can do okay with a non-scary house, but usually is not long enough or big enough for a real scary house. I thought it was really well done. It was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I think, and I might be wrong, but I think the last time I was at Halloween Horror Nights, it was Kid of Clowns that was in that space. That's what I remember, but obviously for me, it's just typing on a screen. But I believe Killer Clowns was there. And I thought that, for what I heard, that house was really well done. But when you're doing a... It wasn't scary though. You yeah, I was gonna scary. say I'm trying. I'm trying not to be negative. When you're when you're not trying to do a scary house, then yeah. then you can use that space. But the Shrek the Shrek area tends to have trouble. Yeah, with their houses historically. But uh, Case Files Legendary Truth I thought was really good. But I knew most of the backstory. 
I understood it and there was more of a story and Jim gave us the details that I would have missed because yeah. we were, tra- we were traveling with someone else <coughs> on their, on their journey, going back through the, the noir 1940s, 1950s kind of thing. No, that's cool. Cause I, what I've not done yet actually is watch any of the, the houses in action. Um, I mainly to try and uh, avoid being upset with the fact that I wasn't there this year. But right. um, that sounds and, much better than the description. Right. And a bunch of my friends did an unmasking tour, whatever they call it, the next day. And they went through six houses and they walked through. I think this was one of the houses they walked through. Maybe it wasn't. Um, and they really enjoyed the lights on tour of most of these houses. They were really mm. well done. Yeah, I've never done. I've never done one of the. I might have to do that next time. I'm in Orlando around Halloween time. Is right. do one of the unmasking tours. Yeah, I was going to do one, and then things got rearranged. And then, yes, I'm sounding spoiled. I had taken the spot for someone else on a media unmasking tour, and then I got bumped. Uh, and okay. Then, and then there wasn't, which is fine. I'm like, I think I joke. For some of the places I'm right, I'm like the 170th ranked writer, so it's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's not a problem. I have a real job. Um, but they enjoyed the unmasking tour. But the Six House unmasking tour is 130. But it goes. I mean, it. they started at like 9 o'clock in the morning, and it went till almost 3. That's really good value, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. That's what I thought, because I considered I was going to do the Three House tour. Now we're getting way in the weeds here. I was going to do the Three House tour. But the three house tour, because this year they announced what the houses were, because they don't mm-hmm. normally do that. The three house tour involved brides at Tooth Fairy. And I had walked through those last year and I was like, eh, I don't want to spend $80 just to do that. Yeah, yeah. So, but one of the big struggles this year was if you don't know the history, you're left out in the cold. Like the houses behind MIB, the Welcome to Scary, that was a real problem. But Wicked Growth, which was the rise of the Pumpkin Lord, I think, um, as a as a Christian minister, <laughs> I did have some issues, but I knew what I was in for. Of some witches are raising the Pumpkin Lord; they're resurrecting the Pumpkin Lord from the dead. Okay, so got, you yeah, can, you can house, see where I might I might struggle with that. That house has had some interesting activity yes. <laughs> around it. <laughs> yes. That I've so, seen I've seen on various social media platforms right. where there's been some very strange activity going from let's just say I think both sides of uh-huh. those that love the house and perhaps those that don't. Now I think if you're an HHN person and I'm not, so I, I need to put I would not rank um, Wicked Growth lower than three, low lower than the third best house. I I think you could argue it's the best house. Mm. I would make it. I would make it second behind Haunting of Hill House, but but I'm the target demographic that needs the IP. Those of you who are more HHN veterans are like, we want original houses because Universal does it really well. But I'm the noob, so I want the IP. Yeah, yeah. So you know, when I'm in retirement, that may be different. But but and then there was Puppet Theater, which of course was announced. I think I was going back to my research. They announced it in October last year that mm. it was coming out and it was well done. It was the premise was um, theater from the 19 early 1900s, a puppet troupe and a, Oh, I want to call them a ballerina troupe, but I don't think that's right. They got trapped in an earthquake and they've gone insane 
and you're walking through it and they're going to turn you into a puppet. It was really well done and the scares were good. Yeah, that does sound good. I, I was definitely, I was really, I think the houses that intrigued me most this year were Haunting of Hill House, Wicked Growth and Puppet Theatre. And, and the only reason I, do, I, I say, I don't say Beetlejuice is because obviously it was there last year and I'd seen elements of what was in there already. Right. And a Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I'm not a great fan of the franchise. I've seen the films. So they did They did plus up the house with a different storyline than the, the HHN 26 version. That's good. That's good. Um, I, guess, I guess this is a good point to mention if you're not an HHN veteran. I now understand when people say to me, I missed the scares or I got all the scares. Mm. Because you're walking through and... I don't have a better term. I don't like, I don't think this is the best way to describe it, but you're walking through the house in a conga line. They don't want you to stop. They want you to go through. They want you to move through that thing. And, and that's fine. Um, and yes, make whatever joke you would like about not being COVID friendly. Cause it's not. Um, but I get that you could go through a house and not get any of the scares, or you could go through a house and get every single scare. Yeah. Mm. And if there's a cast change along the way, you could get stuck too. It does make quite a difference, doesn't it? Yeah, and I, this is why, if I were going to do it, I almost went. I almost booked another night here, but I kind of, as we were joking about in pre-show, I, you know, I rode Velocicoaster ten times and Hulk about twenty-five times and Mummy thirty times because I'm working on an article about single rider line and express pass. So I had to test these things out. It's what you do for drink plans. Um, and I'm worn out because I'm old. I'm in my 50s. I can't handle that anymore. Um, so but I, so I gave up on going to Halloween Horror Nights last night. Right. Um, but I considered going, but this time just kind of popping into a couple of houses, enjoying the food and other kind of things. It's tough to do everything in one night. Yeah, I think, you know, the times last time I did two nights and it still didn't really feel like enough. Um, and one of the nights we had, ex- we, we had express. So at least you can do every house, but uh-huh. you know, as you said, you're not hitting every scare. Right. So I guess um, there's probably a, go a couple more houses that you've not mentioned yet. Um, yeah. Then we moved, we, we saw the lagoon show, which I want to make sure I get the name right. We saw the Lagoon show, which was Marathon of Mayhem Carnage Factory. Um, it's a projection show on Lagoon. It was good. Um, our tour guide gave us a bottle of water for watching and those kind of things. Um, I heard it, was, it wasn't as good as last year. That, that's what I'm trying to say and not be negative because I didn't see last year's technically. Mm. I mean, I, I edited a bunch of video and edited a bunch of blogs. It was nowhere near as good as last year, but it didn't have the same material to work with. It has fewer IPs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's hard to do that. Um, then we went over to um, Case Files Legendary Truth, which is in the Shrek Theater. And then we took a break. And then we went to Marathon and Mayhem Carnage Factory, which is in the um, formerly Fear Factors live stage. Yep. And uh, that show... All joking aside, um, it's what a show should be at Halloween Horror Nights. Um, there's no pretending that this is for children. Um, there was lots of incredibly talented dancers and aerialists 
who have appropriate physiques to wear almost no clothes. Um, and there were fire jugglers. There were magic. I was told that I had been told for a really long time from very reliable sources. And you guys may know, I hadn't researched it, that this show was going to be based upon the magic act of the person who won UK's got talent or something like that. All right. Okay. Um, and because, and I could see that now. I, I'm, because the whole premise is starts with an incredible magic trick of uh, huge proportion that opens the show and ends the show. But in between, there's incredible dancing, incredible... Because the premise is this person has a dream. Every Halloween has a dream, and it's a nightmare. And so that's the basic premise. Yeah, I've heard, so, I've heard really good things about the, the Nightmare Field show this year, actually. I, I thought it was really good. Um, I don't, I wouldn't, but I would not take someone, I don't know that I would take someone 13 to HHN. I would not take a 13-year-old to this show. Yeah, I mean, I... I please, please, please bear that in mind that perhaps my morality sensibility is based on my, my Christian worldview. I get that, okay? But um, even if I didn't see things that way, I'm not sure I would take a teenage male to this show. <laughs> I, yeah i've seen videos and i can put it okay. understand. Um, I, th I think i've used my language as carefully as possible yeah, yeah but to be fair like you know even if i fast forward a few, a few years and you know piper turns around and says let's go to halloween horror nights that they say 13 yep. 14 unless i'm confident that she's she's comfortable watching horror films then i wouldn't i wouldn't take her anyway Right. I, I know I can tell you that writing for touring plans that when we talk about HHN, we always, I'm always told, don't recommend anyone under the age of 13 and really don't recommend anyone under 18. Because mm. I wrote an article about how to prepare for HHN as a scaredy cat and all the things you could do. And I was told to make sure that was in there a couple of times, which was good advice. I'm not being critical. Yeah. I mean, to be to be fair, I think um, it's it's something that I definitely I definitely wouldn't take some someone of that age on a Friday or Saturday night. Yeah, but and let me sound like the old guy. Get off my lawn. Uh, the Friday nights and the Saturday nights, because obviously I was doing research on the stay and scream areas and that kind of stuff. Mm. The, on Friday and Saturday night, they are filled with high school students. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps, of... perhaps middle school students. Oh wow, really? Yes, it's like they got dropped off and they just go. Yeah, I, I definitely found. I think I've I've done a Wednesday and I've done a Sunday, and I think I did. I can't remember whether it was Friday or Saturday. But I think it was a Saturday, and that was just insane compared to the Wednesday. And yes, Sunday. yes, it, Saturdays are always busier. Yeah. So, what are, I guess. The, one of the big things about Halloween Horror Nights this year was obviously bringing back some of the, the icons. Obviously, you've got the, the icons house. Right. Um, but the big, the big draw this year was kind of the return of Jack. Yeah, Jack is everywhere. And as someone who likes things to make sense, I was struggling with Jack the whole time because we know in Halloween Horror Nights lore that fear has trapped the icons in the lantern. But Jack is everywhere. Mm. 
He's on a golf cart. He, yes. He's torturing people in line. He's hanging out with Eddie in his scare zone. Um, the prince, the the four houses that are in the that are kind of behind Jimmy Fallon and Mummy and that area and the sound stages over there. Um, HH and Icons is over there, and you. I'm not sure if you didn't know the history of those, you would get this. As best I could tell, each icon, you were seeing the scene in their section that was the first time they appeared at Halloween Horror Nights. Right. And I only know that from writing and scribbling and doing the research about the usher and the caretaker and and chants and all those. So you're seeing this in Lady Luck and all the, But the, the gimmick of that house was, though it was well done, the gimmick of that house is at the end, there's a throne and every 45 minutes, a new icon is on the throne. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause I've seen so many people on Twitter hitting that house just to try and see their favorite icon on that throne at the end. Right. Which is a clever way of getting people to revisit the house. Correct. Um, that house was well done. I do think we haven't talked about this. I do think it was limited by the vinyl that was in there. Because there were vinyl in places that you would normally wear. Normally, where there's the boo hole or the scare area, they mm. had vinyl. They had vinyl up to protect yeah. the scare actors. Yeah, and I, I, I think this house was hindered by that. Yeah. Uh, how did you find the rest of the houses with with obviously the additional COVID kind of barriers that they put up? How- well, and it, it was kind of it was not consistent. Right. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I guess we should cover that now. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, there wasn't really a lot of vinyl, or maybe I missed it. There was a whole bunch of scare actors with masks and chainsaws. Mm. And there's a whole section where there's technically it probably was vinyl, but if they had done this house normally, it would have been the same way where you have little pieces of little strips of vinyl down and um, pigs come out and try to scare you. Because yep. that's the plot of Chainsaw Massacre with the pigs, um, which is actually well done. Um, I thought it helped the, the Bride of Frankenstein house because it made it much easier for the scare actors in those sections to bang on the, on the glass mm. and create more noise. I thought it helped that. Uh, it may have hindered Tooth Fairy a little bit. Um, it really depended upon what you like out of a house. Like I heard people who liked the scare actors to get right in their face and they didn't like it. Yeah, but but I'm a I'm a rookie, and so I didn't wasn't concerned about that. No, it's it's, it's interesting feedback. I think because it obviously it was there for the, the couple of houses that featured in the in the diet HHN mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, and the, the feedback was mixed. They weren't sure what was going to happen this year because things were starting to look better. Then it came back, and it, <coughs> I mean to be honest, I think it was nothing short of a miracle, really, that the whole event was managed to go ahead in the way that it has. So, uh, well, I think- I, I, speaking of other news, I'm really surprised that Universal has doubled down on we're going to have the Macy's Parade and we're going to have the Mardi Gras Parade and we're going to do all this stuff because mm. they've announced it. Yeah. And then um, I think Disney, Mar- Disney's just announced indoor character meets, but they're still right. socially distanced. You still you have to still have to wear a mask and mm-hmm. obviously you can't get near the um, the characters, which is. I get, but also 
what's the point in bringing it back? That's kind of my thought because Universal, almost most of their character meetings are outside. Yeah. And so they set up a little rope so you can't get right next to the character. Um, but I'm kind of like, yeah, but I'm not sure that's really making a difference. Mm. But, you know, that's the kind of thing. I think now that I've, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was was easily the goriest house. And if you have a fear of chainsaws, or as my spouse jokes, when you hear a chainsaw, you run away because you're afraid your dad wants you to cut wood. Um, then, then you would have a problem with Texas Chainsaw Massacre because any way they could scare you with a chainsaw, they do. Yeah, yeah. And considering Eddie's scare zone is is has a lot of um, chainsaws in the Hollywood area, if you were not a chainsaw person, this event was definitely not for you. But yeah. that could be that could be true any year. Yeah, that is true. They're always there somewhere. Right. Um, the only two houses we haven't mentioned are the Bride's House and the Tooth Fairy House. And if you're unfamiliar with those, they were open for, I think, two months last year for the Diet HHN, HHN Light, whatever you want to call it. So I thought they, they plussed them up a little, but I just didn't like Tooth Fairy, but that's me. I yeah, I've seen a lot of people that haven't rated that house particularly highly. But the concept is excellent. Mm. It's just I don't I don't know they were able to execute it. And maybe that's because of COVID procedures. Maybe it's not, I don't know. So what about I guess the only the only part of the well, not the only part, but another key part of the event that we've not covered is the is the scare zones. How how were they? Obviously, we talked about Eddie's a little bit. Um, um, Eddie's Eddie's lights camera action is probably the best scare zone. It's in the Hollywood area. Mm. Um, they brought out props from previous scare zones. Uh, the premise is they're making a movie, but all chaos happens because it's universal. Eddie's there. He's a big fan of slasher movies. Um, lots of roaming characters. Well done. And hope you don't dislike chainsaws because you're going to hear a lot of them uh the the entrance area between minions and shrek which always is a tough scare zone because it's so small that was 30 years 30 fears so it was a lot of props and scare actors on stages i mean it was good and there were lots of lights and there if you knew your backstory they set up a light to be the image of a lantern Mm. and so with candles and all kinds of things. So that was good. Um, The only purely original house, because in the, I always get this wrong. I want to call it battery park. It's near where the NBC media center is. It's just past La Bamba. It's before you get to kids zone. Yeah. Um, That was Gorewood forest, but that had to happen because the Terra queen has to return 15 HHNs later. Yeah. So I thought it was good. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time in it, but I thought it was good. And there were lots of obvious um, jump scares in that one. Uh, Crypt TV, which is over in the San Francisco area. I didn't think it was great, but I'm pretty sure we might want to get used to it because Crypt TV has a partnership with Blumhouse. And... and HHN is famous for two-year contracts. So I would expect next year there'd be a Crypt TV house. 
Yeah, and that that is getting more and more popular as well. I've seen a lot right. of talking about and, that. And it's, since Woman in the Woods, I think that's the name, but I apologize for not right, is, is going to be on Peacock. So for all of NBC Universal Synergy, um, I would expect a Woman in the Woods house next year. Mm. And then the other one was Seek and Destroy, which is really the only completely original one. And the basic premise is aliens have come to dominate the planet. A artificial intelligence creature who will interact with you, the controller, um, wants you to submit to the controller to bow and all these kind of things. And there were lots of scare actors, lots of victims, lots of everything. They do kind of look like bad astronauts, but it fits the theme with the big shield on their face because they're aliens. Yeah. Um, that, that one kind of grew on me, but I wouldn't say it was great. The scare zones, I can't believe I'm saying this is a rookie. The scare zones have become photo ops. Yeah. I mean, when I was looking through, I mean, I've seen a bit more of the scare zones. Seek and Destroy definitely was one. I was just like, oh, seems all right. But, you know, I, I agree. There's a lot of people just trying to get the scare actors' attention to try and take photos yeah. for social. So the one cool thing is the AI. I know it's universal. There's a camera. It's just like everything else they do. Um, our tour guide who had a light, because all the tour guides have a light that they carry. Yeah. Um, um, he interacted with a tour guide and said, yes, you must follow the keeper of the light. And there was a whole thing. And it was kind of creepy, but it was well done. Yeah, that sounds cool. So but I want to give them that credit. But the scare zones have become photo ops. But in fairness, what else would you do for a 30th anniversary? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but Seek and Destroy is the only really original house. Because Eddie was going to be an icon. And I don't know my history, but apparently there was a huge hurricane or something like that. And they pulled Eddie because he was seen as too scary. And Jack became the icon that year. Um, and so he didn't get to be an icon kind of like sin who was the caretaker's daughter. Wow. I think that's right. I could be totally wrong. Feel free to scream at me or make fun of me on Twitter for not getting that one. Right. Um, but she got bumped. I think she got bumped for the 2001 HHN for the nine 11. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so there are references to her, but you have to know what you're looking for. Yeah, which is which is I guess great for the um, veterans of the event, but I do feel like Universal over the last, well, I guess since I started going, but to be fair, maybe a couple of years before, have been pushing for the super popular recent IPs like Stranger Things, like you know Ghostbusters made it made it. Um, but in fairness, Universal wants to have that partnership with Netflix. Yeah. Oh, for so sure. That- so they need to have one Netflix each year. I want, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what it is next year, especially the Stranger Things is coming back next year. Yeah, we, we believe Stranger Things is coming back next year. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me because the new season comes out next year. Right. And circling back to Case Files Legendary Truth, if we, and I will say it allegedly, we know it's true. The only house that was created from ground up this year was Case Files Legendary Truth. When the, Billie, when the Billie Eilish house was taken out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is why there were four original, there were four I, IPs and six originals. 
but I think that's why I thought it was so good because they got to work on it so much. Mm. So. So the other big, big part of the event in, and something probably that you're quite keen to talk about is the, is the food options. How, how much of that did you get to experience? I did not get to experience very much of it, but of course I have plenty of resources of people who reviewed it and tried it out because much of the HHN food was only offered during HHN. You couldn't get it during the day. Yeah. And much of, much of the HHN food was themed to each house. Like, yes, there was a lot of that this year. Yeah, like Nell, Nell's Tea Party, if you're familiar with Haunting of Hill House, makes perfect sense and is creepy all in itself. I won't ruin the plot, but it's creepy all in itself. They had sandwiches, like brisket and jalapeno and Reuben and grilled cheese. And then they had a special because it's HHN. You have to have an adult beverage with tea. Um, that got good things. The Wicked Growth um, tent had a lot of vegetarian options. It also had several things that I'm allergic to, so I didn't even go anywhere near it. Um, the Tooth Fairy House had a sweet shop, and uh, one of my friends had the bourbon candy pork belly, I think three times. I think I made fun of her the third time, and she looked, gave me that look of, that's none of your business. You need to shut up and mind your own business. I mean, um, it sounds incredible. Right. And, but I've heard she swore it was just incredible. Um, but I've also heard one of the criticisms is it was really hard to break into. But let's think about it for a second. It's pork belly surrounded, surrounded in candy. Yeah, that's going to be a, a challenge. Yeah, I, I think I made a joke in a review about um, call your dentist and see how that goes. Um, <laughs> They created this year, if you were in the scare zone in the, uh, we'll call it the Finnegan scare zone. That'll tell you what we're talking about. They had the HHN food in that area open for people to buy. Like the carnival booth, you could buy it after four o'clock. So nice. there was a lot, there was a lot more food options this year that you could get while you're at stay and screen. Yeah. Um, and the star of that one, and I don't, apparently you don't have this in the UK. Well, maybe you do you'll know because you have the right demographic it's called an uncrustable it's yes it's, yes so they took an uncrustable peanut butter and jelly uncrustable yeah. now we don't have those here but you you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 yeah, yeah. you'll you'll need to know that for piper just so we're clear um and they fried it and glazed it with honey and it's called the no chance in hell pb and j people said it was wonderful i mean that is one sugar rush and a half. Yes. Well, let's combine that with the Jack Donut slider. <laughs> and and the limited um, voodoo donuts that they often do for Halloween Horror Nights as well. Yes, I did try. I did try those. Um, those were pretty good. Uh, but of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they got grief that it wasn't a Dr. Pepper barbecue. But Dr. Pepper is not a sponsor of Universal, so they had a Coca-Cola barbecue. And so you could purchase barbecue from the Texas Chainsaw Tent, if that's not creepy enough. And then they had a leather-faced cherry pie, which is like this little mini cherry pie. But the, the, um, the crust or the coating on top of it, they made a hole like it's a mask. And it, it's really well done. I mean, it's simple, but it's really well done. Yeah, it does seem like they had they they just kind of had a lot of freedom with the food this year. And actually, like when I went last in 2019, <coughs> the options were good, but they weren't they weren't like this. Now, of course, there's still Twisted Tater. They had to add another Twisted Tater booth because that was themed to Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and of course there's pizza fries, which of course people love, and I'm still not sure why. Um, Cause you can get them during the day at Louis during HHN. Um, but I can confirm that the chefs at Universal have been told, well, I'll say what I usually say. They have been told, hey, it works for Epcot. Let's have a food festival year round. Mm. And so far, not that, as I always say, is the food at Universal as good as the food at the food festival at Epcot? Absolutely not. Are the portions larger and they cost less? Absolutely. <laughs> so if you were taking like a family of four or you were taking a bunch of teenagers, you could still afford to feed them barely. Um, yeah. But, but I mean, I, I have so many reports of people going to Epcot food festival. I'm not saying the food isn't good. The food is fabulous, but they spend $50 us and they're still hungry. Oh, I mean, we've done. So when we travel over to, when we stay at Disney, Disney will often give us a, the people in the UK, a $200 gift card. I, I spend that in, at the Epcot Food and Wine Festival easily in a day and a half. Yeah. If, if that, if that. And now obviously I do drink. The drink, the drinks are not cheap. Nope. And, you know, they're not, they're not cheap at uh, HHN either. No, but, that is true. That is true. I mean, they're, $15 to get the first one and then 11 after that mm. 11 us. So that I would not call them cheap, but it's good. It's, it's exciting. I think that universal, they do seem to be upping that game at least for the Halloween horror nights food. They tried it with, uh, was it Mardi Gras? They did it as well. Yeah. They expanded Mardi Gras and it was really successful. The thing that's bit them in the butt is for Mardi Gras, if you were an annual pass holder, you could purchase a lanyard for 15 samples for, I can't do the math. I know that it came out to be, each sample came out to be $4 and 33 cents. Mm. And so then for the summer bites, food trucks, and for a lot of this HHN stuff, some of the stuff is similar, but it's not $4. It's right. 10 or it's yeah. 12 or it's 14. Like, for the summer bites food trucks, they did the Cuban sandwich, but the Cuban sandwich was really good. Um, the, the list price originally was fourteen dollars for the Cuban sandwich with some with some chips, and it was good. Then they dropped it during Mardi Gras to eight dollars. But if you had a lanyard, it was less than five dollars. Mm. Then they brought that back in the summer for thirteen dollars, and so it was the optics were not great. And so that's kind of bit them in the butt. They're not sure what to do with that because the food truck, there's two food trucks that are technically themed to HHN. One is near Shea Alcatraz. And the other one is kind of in that area. I'm blanking on where it is. One has themed chicken sandwiches, which are apparently really good, but they're $14. They're probably worth it. I'm not trying to be critical. And then they have arepas, which are kind of Latin food, somewhere between $8 to $10. And those are also probably worth it but some of those you could have gotten during mardi gras for less than five right yeah and so it's just kind of the i they're falling into the same trap that disney is in but they don't have the nostalgia to fall back on yeah but i have noticed now i'm totally on a tangent here so you can rein me back in i have noticed that even in the last three or four months the prices on food items at universal have gone up a dollar or two on about everything 
because feel free to make fun of Mythos, but it is a good restaurant if you don't believe it's the best theme park restaurant in the world. Yep, um, I agree. As long as you don't believe that, it's a good place. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, all the things that my family gets or my friends get were a dollar or two larger. And at some point, I'm going to write an article of one of the appetizers, because I have a friend who's obsessed with calamari, and she's going to be offended by that, but she's obsessed with it. She gets it everywhere. Um, she got it there, and the portion size, because she showed me what it was last year and what it was this year, it was 40% smaller, and it cost $3 more. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Isn't it? Yeah, and so they're getting caught in a trap, but maybe they can get away with it because they're still in a better price point than Disney is. So rain me back in. I'm on my soapbox right now. So you guys still there? Cause I can't hear you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's all. Oh, HHN. I guess the only other HHN thing is, is universal is trying really hard to turn Cabana Bay into the headquarters of HHN. Um, they turned the, wow, I want to call it the Swizzle Lounge. I, I've moved on from Cabana Bay. I've, I've, I've fallen in love with Aventura. I think it's a Swizzle Lounge that's kind of in the lobby. And they made it a themed bar with HHN Cons and themed drinks. And then if you got four beverages at each of the four bars there, you got a fifth beverage for free. Yeah, you would not do that at Disney. Sorry, I had to get that in. No, um, no, no chance of that happening at Disney. And then, and then, unlike two years ago, where they had the Stranger Things photo op, this year in the recreation room on the second floor at Cabana Bay, they did the jacked up experience. Which the problem was, this is the Remy Ratatouille issue. Remy's Ratatouille is an excellent addition to the France Pavilion in Epcot. It's a good idea. Yeah, maybe they should have made it a little more. I usually say U.S. citizen. They should have made it a little more Americanized for the market they're going to have. But yeah, they just copied it exactly. They just house. copied and pasted it exactly. Uh, and then they're they're producing galettes, which in our market, people have no idea what a galette is. They hear they hear it's a crepe place, and they assume it's going to have sugar. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of bit them in the butt. But if you hadn't oversold Remy, Remy's an excellent addition. Uh, they, if you they, had, they advertised Ratatouille like it was the next yes for some reason yes and and Universal kind of did that with the jacked up experience they built it up to be if you were a Jack fan this was going to be great and there's some awesome photo ops and you get to go into the blender and get a photo with the blender and a video and it's great and there's several nods to Jack and you become one of his maniacs but I I wouldn't wait more than 15 minutes for that mm. And people were waiting an hour the first couple of days. Wow. And so they were very disappointed. And I understand why. Yeah. So that's, that's the struggle with theme parks at the moment is they feel limited in what they can do. So they have, they're over promoting, they're over promising and under delivering. Mm. Yeah. I definitely seen that trend. That's why Velocicoaster seems so amazing because they didn't over promise and they over delivered. Yeah. Yeah, completely. So, but I think we've covered all the HHN stuff. Do we want to cover rumors and news that have happened literally as I've been here? Yeah, I think I think really good to talk through Halloween Horror Nights. I guess I guess one final question on Horror Nights before we just duck into rumors and and confirm things that are happening. 
Um, are you planning on going back next year? Um, let's let me sound bourgeoisie for a second because when I said literally, I did not pay anything for this tour. I used my premier annual pass free night at HHN mm. to go. So mm. if you have a premier annual pass, the biggest selling points are you get express after four, one time express after four, which is great if you're going in the summer or the busy times. Yeah. And you get one select night to HHN. And so I had already paid for it in my annual pass. Sure. I suspect that I will go again next year because my work schedule allows me to come during this time of year now where historically it didn't. Yeah. So I suspect that I'll probably go back next year. I don't know. I don't know if I'll RIP to or I don't know, but I'd be more than happy just to show up, have some food, walk through a couple of houses and go because as long as you don't, I don't know how to say this. As long as you don't walk in expecting it to be the greatest event you've ever attended, HHN is great. And literally, even if you're paying full price for a Saturday, let's say it's $100. If you show up and maybe you spend $30 to stay in screen, which seems horrible, but you're paying $30 for early entry to sit and eat food and to walk through three of the houses before everybody else gets in. Mm. And so then if you only have seven houses left, you can get seven houses done in the rest of the night. Yeah, especially, you know, towards the end of the night when things, a lot of people do, right. do end up leaving or and all or joking pass as, out intoxicated. Somewhere. Right. And all joking aside, even though the pictures make it look like Halloween Horror Nights is there's no capacity. And as I had to explain to people, based on fire code and capacity, having those tents out back means that Universal Studios Florida can add, I'm going to, make up a number 7,000 people to their capacity of growth they normally would have. Um, it's very obvious based on the queue times that there was a limited capacity for HHN. Mm. I can't tell you what it was. I'd guess 75%, but I don't know that. That's just complete speculation. Yeah. Cause when I was there in 2019, there were, there were, I think Ghostbusters maybe was like almost two hours, two, right. two and a half hours. There was, there was, there has not been a house that's been two hours yet. Yeah. Which does suggest that, that, that there was a capacity. Yes. I have, once again, as we have learned, let's talk about people who do real work at touring plans, not me just cranking out a blog every so often. Touring plans predicted at Magic Kingdom and Epcot for October 1st. And if you're unaware, that was the 50th celebration start that Magic Kingdom and Epcot were going to be a 10 out of 10 on their scale of crowd calendars. Yeah. But if you looked at the ride queues. Um, well, you were waiting best, longer to get a churro or, right. a, or a spirit jersey than you were to get on any of the rides. Right. At best, it was a two. Yeah. But they had to limit people coming in and you couldn't park hop and you couldn't go back into Magic Kingdom for like two or three hours in the afternoon because it was at their capacity. Yeah. So... It, there, there's an issue of what does crowd really mean? And that's kind of a conversation that people who are much smarter than me, and it's actually their job to figure out with touring plans. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because international travel in theory returns. Yep. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people in the UK that are itching to book a trip and, and actually already have, I know several people that already have trips booked in November. So Correct. 
you know, those parks are going to be flooded with not just UK guests, but European guests, etc. in, you know, November, December mm-hmm. onwards. Yes. Um, when the theme parks thought that UK travelers were going to get to visit earlier, they expected October, November, and December to be the busiest they have ever been in Orlando. Yeah. So at some point that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see you know, <laughs> December is always busy, especially as you get to Christmas yep. and New Year. But I think it's going to be a lot of people have not spent any money in almost two years. I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of UK travellers going over for just after Christmas into the new year. You mean going to Thorpe Park didn't use up all your money? No. It, it's, was it, Dan, is it £35? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Which is like For what? the one day, yeah. Just shy of fifty dollars. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that here. No, <laughs> not at all. You have to uh, have to get a new kind of sell your house to to get to Orlando for a few weeks. Pretty much, yeah. So, uh, what do you want to move on to now? I guess the last point really is covering off um, some of the things that we've seen change over. You know, as you said on on your trip to it. Right now, um, the big thing that we've just seen confirmation that Shrek is closing in, in January, is it? I think it was. Um, it's January. I want to say the 7th or the 10th. I may have the wrong date, but I'm, I'm near near that. That Shrek is permanently closing. Yes. Which we are, some of us are a little surprised that it's permanently closing. We expected something else to happen, but it's permanently closing to be replaced with a new attraction. Uh, Mummy is going to be down for a refurb, a very much needed refurb uh, for six months because um, Mummy is is struggling and it hasn't had a retrack in a very long time. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. I mean, it'd be nice for them to update some of the animatronics, but I have a feeling that they won't. I have a feeling they won't have time. No, I mean, there's a lot of other things <laughs> to happen. I know that I rode Mummy... When you ride it in the morning, everything seems to work. But as the day goes on, I remember riding it, was it two days ago? And everything was in B mode. Actually, yeah. I, th- I think Imhotep was in C mode. I'd never seen that, where it literally was just two tiny eyes and a audio that sounded very garbled. Mm-hmm. You know, I could, I mean, I could, I could barely even be told, Reggie being told silence, I could barely hear it. And so, and they're, they're struggling with the animatronics in that first main room. Um, they've cleaned up some of the areas on the turntable because they made it, they worked on that during the break in January because they've made that more of a video screen and it works. Yeah. Um, the backwards section track needs to be fixed. Uh, there's a two other sections in the main coaster that needs to, really needs to be fixed. But the positive is that they're doing a significant refurbishment on it, which means for Mummy fans, that's it's not going anywhere anytime soon. That is correct. Which I know Dan will be very happy about, as it yes. is your one of your favourite attractions in Orlando. Yeah, I do really like the Mummy attraction. Uh, yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's nice to see it getting a bit of attention, isn't it? As you say, would would be nice for those animatronics. Yes, <laughs> they're a bit ropey, aren't they? But uh, as it yeah. stands right now, I have a trip booked next September, but we're <coughs> we're also thinking of a family trip, maybe February March time. 
depending on how COVID goes during winter, both here in the UK and in the US. Right. So um, my wife's a little bit unhappy that, that mummy will be down, but obviously we are we are going to be returning in September when it when it is back open again, assuming um, it gets delayed. Has your wife ridden Hagrid's Magical Creature Motorbike Adventure TM? No, because okay. when we were last in Orlando and we had the opportunity to ride it, I rode it, but she didn't because she was pregnant. Ah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. So she hasn't, she hasn't ridden um, Hagrid. She hasn't seen the Born Stentacular. Nope. I've not seen that either. And she ha- obviously hasn't ridden Velocicoaster. Yeah. So there's lots for us to do in, in, in Universal, which very excited for and, and potentially something new in, in the Shrek building as well. Yep. Do you want to tackle that rumor or you want me to? You go for it. Obviously, I think some people will listen to both of the shows, but um, we covered it off on that Universal podcast a couple of weeks ago now from uh, Chris Ripley covered off the rumor. But yeah, go go for it, John. What are you hearing? Yeah, and I had been told for a very long time um, that they were going to turn the, the one of the problems with Universal Studios Florida, and it's a problem at Disney's Hollywood Studios too, is in the race to get those two parks built in that whole drama until one's got to beat the other one to get opened. The They're poorly planned and there's not really a good entrance. There's not a lot of these things and Studios Florida really struggles with that. And so one of the solutions was because the Minions are one of their highest grossing franchises is to turn that whole front area into a Minions attraction. Hmm. so you have minion mayhem that will be as you walk in on your left if we believe the rumors and i've been hearing them for a year um there's going to be a villain con type attraction now i've heard all kinds of things um but i have been telling people visualize something on the less of a scale of spider-man web slingers of there's some kind of shooting attraction involved at this because we had been told for quite a while that the one Shrek theater was going to stay open and they were going to keep that going. Cause they've been doing one theater since the park reopened. Yeah. And that's, that was the rumor that we discussed on the, right. the universal podcast. And uh, then, and then you were going to take the other section of Shrek and turn it into, I had been told a walkthrough kind of attraction Yeah, where you're, yeah. Where you're like shooting the villains. And I wasn't sure how that was going to work. I think and they maybe, the rumor was that they were going to get it done in time for the minion, the next minion movie release. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I think that's what the plan was. I have no idea what the plan is currently. Um, but we're visualizing something, a universal version of toy story, midway mayhem or Spider-Man web slingers or something like that. Mm. Um, and if you, because let's just be honest. I mean, you experienced this, Ryan. Universal gets a bad rap that there's nothing for children to do. Yeah. There is there is some truth to that. Okay. Yeah. And so this would be an attraction if they design it the right way, which Universal tends not to. Um, there will not be a height requirement. Which would be fantastic because obviously Minion Mayhem does have a yes. height requirement. Yeah, this is one of those. Which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's totally crazy that that these attractions have a height requirement, like ET has a height requirement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's three, I think it's 36 inches, you know? Um, so it's, it's like a meter, but still, um, why do you have 
a height requirement on these kind of things. Yeah, no, completely. That, that you know, that they, they are there for the the families. Right. And so if Universal Creative goes back to what they originally intended to do in creating some version of a movie studio type park and Island of Adventure was intended to be an older version of Magic Kingdom. Hmm. Because that was the plan. Um, Universal Studios Florida will probably become slightly more family friendly. And if we believe the rumors, and now we're really, we're, we're way past rumor. This is less than a rumor. If Kid Zone is finally converted into something else, which it needs to be, then it's going to that whole area, is, that whole front of the park is going to become far more family friendly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting is I think it was yesterday or the day before Universal just signed a deal with the Pokemon company. Which yeah, but I thought that was only for um, Asia. It is. It is. For, well, that okay. that we know of. Um, okay, that's fair. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see any success in in the Asian parts, given how popular Pokemon is in the US and here in Europe as well. I wouldn't be surprised to see a Pokemon presence now. Whether it be at Universal Studios, maybe more likely at Epic Universe, which is probably where Nintendo is going. Um, I still wouldn't be surprised to see some kind of Pokemon presence in, the, in those parks in the future if the if Asia is a success and the Pokemon company um, like what Universal have done with it. Right, and then the Pokemon rumor, this is kind of like my, my friends who are in the rumor business. If we went through all the different rumors for what's going to happen to KidZone at Studios Florida, we, we don't have time to read that, just read that list. I'll charge you for another night at the hotel, I think, if we, if we go through every room. <laughs> oh, it would take us forever because somehow we, jo- we joke about the kid zone has this super secret protection. It has this sacred totem that protects it from anything happening to it. Spielberg's but, chained himself to the yes. front of E.T. But the, the most solid thing is some version of... DreamWorks taking over that area because they created that they created an excellent dance party with the DreamWorks characters in mm-hmm. the old Barney show and some kind of Pokemon based on the surveys they've sent out to a lot of Universal Orlando visitors some kind of version of Pokemon Go in that area yeah there was rumors that uh, again uh, credit to Chris Ripley on that Universal podcast that they were going to be doing Pokemon events this summer. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. Whether that's because that contract that they've just signed hadn't happened yet, or COVID, so it was not really advised to encourage people to you know go and do Pokemon Go events. Don't know, but um, I can confirm. I can confirm that there were lots of plans for this, mm. but this is Universal. They have about 27 blue sky plans going at all time. Yeah. And so one could move up at a moment's notice. Yeah. And, and to be honest, it makes sense to use things that they they own um, yes. over, over contracts that, yes, they are put in for a period of time, but they do run out. So yeah, like, they're you know, really, they're really trying hard. Universal creative is trying really hard to use IPs that don't cost them anything. Yeah, which makes total sense. Right. 
Now, it, it's whether or not those IPs resonate well enough with kids in five years. That's, that's correct. That's the challenge. Because they know with Nintendo, they know with Pokemon, that Pokemon's been going, what, 20 years? Nintendo's been going, yep. what, 30, 40 maybe? 35, 40? Or something like yep. that. That That's not going anywhere anytime soon. But, you know, How to Train, how to train Your Dragon, as an example. Um, Life of Pets. Is that going to be resonating in five years' time? You know, Madagascar, I'd argue, is starting to fall away now with with kind of kids growing up now. So that's that's the, the tricky balance they've got to get right. Yeah, and I clearly don't have an answer to that one. No, and that, that, probably that's where Universal is struggling as well because Minions is a goldmine right now and there's another movie on the way mm-hmm. and that movie will probably do well, but there's only probably going to be another one or two movies after that, unless it becomes a, you know, Shrek four kind of franchise where it gets to a point that where it's so bad that people just say, please no more. Right. It often, often seems to be the way with a lot of the films, doesn't it? They, they have limited shelf lives, even ones that run multiple sequels like Shrek. Mm. Um. And yeah, it's the case of what what do you gamble on right now? Yeah, because you know, in theory, I mean, Shrek's been there what eighteen years, something like that. That they've got to they've got to try and wager that bet and go. Well, really, we want to kind of keep this presence here for at least ten. Yeah, um, I guess we should add those of you who are familiar with Universal Orlando, the Shrek, Donkey, Fiona character meet and greet area. That's staying. Oh, is it? So, I thought that was that, going. No, that's staying. They have confirmed that that is staying. But the shop, this is the most, I guess we should have opened with this. The ye old Shrek shop or whatever it is, um, that is going. Mm. But but the Shrek, the donkey Shrek Fiona meet and greet, that's staying. I wonder if that's because most of the online shares over the, the last few months have been from donkey ripping Disney apart. <laughs> well, um, in fairness, something the Universal does well is they have their team members off to the side, making fun of everybody who walks by. Yeah, um, and, it works well. Donkey does the the characters they have doing Donkey and um, why am I blanking on this? Mystic Fountain. Yep, a Chucky uh, was another one at Halloween Horror Nights yes. a couple of years ago. Really, this really is well done. this is something they do well. Yeah. So, and they can get away with, whereas whereas Disney can't really. You can't have correct. A, you can't have a, a Disney character insulting a guest. It won't go down well, and you'll you'll see a lot of Karens running to uh, the the front of Magic Kingdom complaining that um, you know. Yep. Then Abs- upset them. <laughs> Absolutely true. Well, I guess if they were if they were to go with a minion attraction. They could obviously they couldn't really do it with the minions, but I guess they could kind of get away with it with Gru. But yeah, it feels like Shrek. It feels like that that accident could be quite questionable in twenty twenty two. Yeah, that's that's another question with the Gru character. But but this is the old issue of if it's an animated thing and you bring the animated thing to life, can you stay with the offensive accent and the offensive use of language? Because he yeah. is a villain. He is a villain after all. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's um, 
I was a little surprised that they just flat said Shrek's closing, mm. but, but because people are, people are still walking into the Shrek attraction. As I told somebody the other day, the Shrek attraction may be the second lowest rated attraction at Universal Studios Florida, but people are still getting in line. I think it's very much for me. Well, for me, at least it's very much like Muppet vision 3d, uh, um, Hollywood Studios in that the pre-show is a thousand <laughs> times better than the, the show itself. That's probably fair. But doesn't Universal have a bunch of those kind of attractions already? Well, that, that is very true. Although I think the only example where that, I mean, the pre-show is terrible in Fast and Furious and then the attraction gets even worse. So that's maybe one that stands out as... Right, well, the pre-show is better. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Marginally, we, we, were better, just, yeah. we were just discussing better. We weren't discussing whether it was good. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, no, I, I think the pre-show was was always enjoyable, but that the actual show itself, you, you know, you, it came with like one of the film releases at one point on DVD. Correct. Yes, so, the whole thing you could watch on DVD. I think you could watch it on Netflix. You could watch it on YouTube. You could watch it so many places. So I think it's time has it's come for sure. I, I just hope that the team put the right amount of effort in its replacement. Yeah, I'm almost glad that they are closing it completely because then it gives them, it feels like it gives them better scope for sort of doubling down and putting something brand new in there as opposed to mm. sort of half keeping it open and half opening something new. Yeah, I think the only negative is that means that it's going to take longer before that attraction is done. True, very true. Yeah, that's so. Universal has had this mandate of we want to have a new attraction every year. Yeah. Um, what's that attraction going to be next year? Well, unless this, this, this they are just doing minions and it is going to be a walkthrough using AR tech and they're just using both theaters are going to gut it as quickly as possible and, and put something in and do now, it. In, in fairness, they could have been, they could probably the little half sections in there, they could have gutted that already and already have that planned. Yep. Um, and you know, from walking through Shrek haunted houses, they're really good at covering up the Shrek stuff. Mm. So they might just cover it up and go from there. Yeah. Cause they've gotten really good at it. Yeah. Yeah. It might be something that opens in one of the theaters and then expands over time. It, you know, it could be anything. And that's kind of what I was thinking was they were going to open it, but I think that would, that would be a bad plan, but I understand why they would do it. You open one theater, the queue's going to be 120 minutes. It's going to be Christmas time. So Minion Mayhem is going to be 85 minutes. That's going to be a congested guest dissatisfaction area. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, but then it would seem crazy for them not to take advantage of the, of the film release next year, although that was Correct. supposed to be this year, you know, uh -huh. in all fairness. And I think that bought them some time for this plan. Yeah, yeah. Because they are trying really, really hard. I, I have no reason to know this is true, but it looks like that they are being told by NBC Creative that we want utter synergy among everything. Yeah. Because Universal 
failed horribly with trying to create some a food event to go with the Olympics. Uh, it didn't work. Um, there were lots of reasons that were beyond their fault, but it didn't work at all. Um, it looks like, and we know that Velocicoaster was supposed to open when the Jurassic World movie came mm. out. Mm. We know that. Um, so are they, sorry, I'm being negative. Are they just going to throw together a minion attraction to match the movie? Yeah, it does feel like that's that's definitely a possibility. Yeah. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. No, but it's going to be interesting to see what mm-hmm. happens for sure. Yep. Well, was it was there anything else that you'd heard that was going on, John? Or I'm just conscious of your uh, pending. Yes, my pending time. checkout time. <laughs> um, uh, I haven't seen this officially, but Fear Factor Live is closing. Yes, though. Uh, again, credit to Chris Ripley on that. The rumor is there is an additional Potter attraction going in there. Um, yes. Because the, Universal would... are apparently contracted to do three areas. And because, again, this is all rumor, because of the... I, I don't really want to say it, failure, basically, of the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Yes. And the predicted failure of the third movie because of everything that's gone on around... Not just Johnny Depp, but J.K. Rowling herself is mm-hmm. is coming to a lot of fire from from fans, and a lot of people are saying the third movie is not going to do particularly well. Um, the rumor <coughs> is that Fantastic Beasts is perhaps not coming to Epic Universe, and that they will be building a. I think Chris mentioned a um, Ministry of Magic attraction where Fear Factor is. Um. You can't see my face right now. <laughs> um, I would disagree with that. Um, they are going to, all everything you said until you said Ministry of Mag- Magic attraction was one hundred percent matches all the data that I have. What What are you hearing? Um, the data that I have is Universal was really upset that New York was going to do that VR broom attraction. Mm, mm. And that's what they were going to throw together in the Fear Factor area because it was a gigantic space and they could have, I don't even know how many brooms in there and have a VR attraction in there to expand on Diagon Alley. Because one of the weaknesses, I, I know I'm writing this for some somebody, um, Diagon Alley has one real attraction. I know yeah. they have Ollivander, I get that. Um but if you were only coming to one park, because that a lot of people do that, they come to Universal and they only go to one park. They don't do park to park. Yeah. They just do one park. And if you're going for attractions, you can't go to Studios Florida for Harry Potter. You know what? I think uh, maybe I was a little bit harsh on Chris there. I think you're completely right that the it was a almost almost think of it as flight of passage, but Harry Potter. Absolutely correct. That's uh, that's what we're hearing. Now, once again, yeah. um, I don't want to be in the rumor business because Universal can have every intent to do this and then tomorrow they do something else. Yeah, completely, completely. But what we're hearing is there probably is going to be some Fantastic Beasts in Epic Universe. But if I had to guess, 
the Ministry of Magic is going in Epic Universe. Yeah, that would be interesting. Like, but I mean, from a from a Potter Universe perspective, uh huh, they, they could theme the area where the broomstick attraction sits to the Ministry of Magic, and then it fits in perfectly. Correct, Bargain Alley, which is obviously <coughs> right. And if you believe, and I have conflicting information on this. If you believe, and you kind of have to know the area of Diagon Alley, mm. where where the hopping pot is, there's a service hallway. Yes. There's a doorway that's blocked. Yep. That service hallway could be expanded to take you to the Fear Factor stage. Yeah, that that is that's what I've heard as well. And then you could create a facade in front of Fear Factor to whatever you want it to be, and it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Um I think there's some huge logistical problems with that, but it's the one thing that makes the most sense. Well, I mean, the um, the way of getting into the Ministry of Magic in, I mean, there's several ways, but uh-huh. in, in the books is via telephone box. So, Correct. you know, you're talking narrow passageway. You're talking about an entrance that guests can't find, which was happening for a while with Diagon Alley. Um, <laughs> it's still it's still <laughs> happening with Diagon Alley. It doesn't surprise I me. I literally walked past Diagon Alley I think it was yesterday. I walked past Diagon Alley and there were a whole bunch of people who literally just walked right past it. Yeah. And, and were pointing to Fear Factor Live and saying that's where Diagon Alley is. Yeah. So, so. It, it's definitely possible. But yeah, I think I think some something needs to go in that space. I think Fear Factor has stopped being relevant quite a few years ago. My, my only concern, and we don't have time to cover this, is Universal Studios Florida and Island Adventure is missing something that Disney does really, really well. And maybe they've decided they can't win this contest. They don't have enough shows. Yeah. Um, I mean, at Studios Florida, there's Born Suntacular, excellent horror makeup show. It's It's got a cult following. It's still really good. Animal Actors is okay, but there's a better version at SeaWorld. Um, I know there's the Diagon Alley shows, but... In my mind, if you don't get to sit in an air-conditioned room or sit down, it's not really a show that eats people. It just clogs up the hallways. Agreed. I've always kind of walked past it and gone, oh, it's halfway through. Right. You're just clogging up the area, especially bad at Hogsmeade. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I understand some of that is a limitation in space. You know, the Beat Builders um, show is great. The Blues Brothers show is great for what it is, but you're standing there, so in some cases, right out in the sun. Most guests are not going to do that. Yep. No, completely. But, I mean, that's the Disney principle of having a diversion. Those are just designed to divert people to keep them out of the queues. Yeah. No, no, completely. Well, in the interest of time and making sure that someone doesn't knock on your door in in the next (laughs) minutes... um, Great run through of, of Halloween Horror Nights, of the RIP tour, of, of the rumors as well. Um, before you go, I know this could take a, another uh, <laughs> half an hour, but um, do you want to share some of the places where we can find um, your writing and, and where you spend time? I know you're on Twitter quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, feel free. Yeah, to um, like whatever for, you a, for a 50 something year old, gray haired white guy in the US, I spend way too much time on Twitter. Um, so I apologize for that. If you want to, Make fun of me. That's an easiest place to do it. And I, you know, I'm happy to dish it out and take it. So that's fine. My Twitter is pastor, P-A-S-T-O-R. 
John, J-O-N, because H's are O, self, S-E-L-F, and you can find me there. Currently, I'm writing for um, Touring Plans, um, Pirates and Princesses, which I've written extensively about Halloween Horror Nights there, um, because they have more talented people at Touring Plans to write about Halloween Horror Nights. Um, Universal Food Blog and Universal Family Vacations. And fortunately, at this very moment, that is all the places I'm writing for. <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously, in my theological world, I write for Faith Element, and I'm a pastor at First Baptist Church in McComb, Illinois. Um, but for theme park purposes, those are the only four places I'm writing at this very moment. Brilliant. Well, thanks, John. And on, on some of those, so, you know, Pirates, Princesses, and Touring Plans in particular, are sites that I've been reading for many, many years. But definitely, those listening, go and check out everything that um, John Yeah, and I... And I probably will get in trouble for this, but Pirates and Princesses have pretty much given me free reign to write anything about Universal that I want. Great. Yeah. So definitely so, the, uh, a lot of your um, insights and opinions on, on there. And it's, a, it's a great site as well. Yeah. So I probably tomorrow will we'll write about the, the Villain Con Minions Room, but we didn't actually say what it was, by the way. I'll probably write about that tomorrow if I get around to it. That's fine, because this episode will go out on Monday. So by the time everyone okay. listens to this, uh, I suspect there will be a post on the site, uh, which you can go and read a bit more detail on. Sounds good. Brilliant. Thanks, John. Awesome. Thank Here's you, John. Brian and Dan. So thanks again to John for joining us on this week's show. I really appreciate all of the insights on Halloween Horror Nights and some of the latest rumours, and also another credit to Chris Ripley, who is the the master of all things universal a halloween horror nights but also rumors as well and if you'd like the show and you'd love to leave us a review you can do so on the itunes podcast app or apple podcast app as i should say and we will see you again next week ah there you are and just in time there's a little matter i forgot to mention beware of hitchhiking ghosts They have selected you to fill our quota, and they'll haunt you until you return.